Hello and welcome back to Country Roads Confidential or Earsports.com. My name is Mike Casaza. I am joined. Uh, I am joined as always by absolutely nobody. This is not a joke. You did not press the wrong button because this is not a rerun either. But Chris Anderson is away at the beach, so I am once again flying solo, taking you on a very important journey into a discussion about a very important scrimmage tonight at Mountaineer Field. And we will discuss why that is such an important moment in the stage of this season and Neil Brown's first campaign in just a second. But while we're on the topic of scrimmages and something that's kind of like practice before the big show, I want to take a break from the one that we're about to get into and talk about a podcast that is about to come your way. Just a couple of days. It's an idea Chris and I had to, well, one, be creative, be a little bit different, but also to give you a bit of an idea about the constitution of this team and the roster and the quality and the quantity of the players contained therein. So what we will do is he and I will build our travel roster for West Virginia. That means 70 players who can go on the road together. They get a helmet and a jersey. And they're available to help you in a road game. And what I'd like you to do is give it a shot. Challenge yourself and see if you can do it. And I think you'll find it's pretty difficult. I've done a couple of drafts. And it's intense. You have to make some tough decisions. Your heart and your gut and your brain, they all kind of combat each other at certain points. And I think what you'll find is that not only is it difficult... But you won't have a hard time getting to 70. You'll have a harder time getting from 73 to 70, from 72 to 70. And it's not only cutting down, it's getting to the right number while keeping the strongest possible roster that you can, while covering all the areas on offense and defense and also special teams and the many contingencies that a game brings into play. So just-in-case scenarios, backups, emergencies, things you never expect to encounter, but you better have covered in case you do. So it's not easy, but it's kind of a fun exercise. So when you have some time after dinner, after you put the kids down, at lunch, when you're trying to go to sleep, see if you can do it. Chris and I will give it a shot. And again, it gives you a really different but still important look at the roster and strengths and weaknesses and areas of concern and areas that can carry the team, maybe through difficult stretches or moments or stages of the season. So that will be coming up in a few days. But right now, I want to talk about what's happening this evening. A closed scrimmage under the lights at Mountaineer Field. It's the second scrimmage, and it's the last one before this team breaks camp on Wednesday and then begins to prepare for the regular season. You will hear reporters and talking heads say something every year to the effect of, well, a team gets better the most in between its first and second games. That may be true. It's kind of lame, but it may be true. I think you would hear coaches say that you should get better in between your first and second scrimmages. And here's why. In rare cases will you not have some concern after a first scrimmage 
that first scrimmage is kind of where you sort people and positions and maybe even size of the ball out. You kind of chop it up a little bit and you have different levels, different echelons on your team. Now, why is that? Well, it's because the offseason is situated in such a way now where the end of your season, whether it's the 12 regular season game or the bowl game or the playoff or whatever, but when your season ends, you transition pretty quickly and pretty smoothly into winter conditioning. That gives way to spring football. That gives way to summer workouts and all the structured team activities you can have and all the education and instruction you can have from your coaches. And the next thing you know, you're out of the weights in the classrooms and the practice situations in the summer and into camp. And teams that are older or who are more organized and more advanced in the summer, they kind of hit the ground running now in camp. However, you're not going to have 110 veterans on your team. You can have 110 people in camp, but look at the constitution of most rosters. It's going to be very varied, right? Very varied. It will be very varied, and you're going to have old and young, new players and experienced players. And West Virginia is just one illustration of that. Not only a new coaching staff, but look at all the old versus new, the established versus need to be established on offense and defensive special teams. So that first week of camp, the older players, the experienced players, the established players, they're doing their thing. They know what to do. It's kind of ordinary to them. And that first scrimmage comes, and they're good. And then maybe they have a bad day. Maybe they drop a pass. They give up a touchdown pass. Whatever. But you kind of have an idea of who that person is going to be. You don't feel too bad. It's just a bad day. Unless it was preceded by a number of bad days before. But by and large, you kind of have an idea of who those people are and what their strengths are. Conversely, the people who are new, who are inexperienced, who need to establish themselves, they may sometimes struggle during that first scrimmage. It's the first time they go live and where there are snaps with consequences. But that's not unusual. They're not used to it. It's not as familiar. And while not everybody in that situation, new, inexperienced, not established, while those people may all not struggle, enough of them do that you raise some red flags. And you ratchet things up and you're more urgent during that second week. And then by the time that second scrimmage comes around, those who are not established really have to narrow the gap between the people who are established. And that's what we're looking for tonight. Well, not me. I won't be looking for it because I'm not allowed there. Although my extremely powerful binoculars may say about that. But the coaches are going to be looking for, you know, sustained performance from players who have opened eyes or from players who are expected to perform. So people who are good in scrimmage one, they got to keep it going, whether they're new and perform well on that first scrimmage or whether they're old and they perform well on that first scrimmage. They can't slip. They got to keep going up. And then the people who were not good or who are not established in scrimmage one, they need to make up that gap. And here's why. They scrimmage tonight. They're off Saturday and Sunday. But the coaches have some very important conversations they have to have about their team. And we'll cover that in just a minute. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, 
and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. So how did these round tables go? I'm assuming it's a round table because they got to fit a lot of people into a room. We're talking head coach, 10 assistant coaches. I would think some graduate assistants will be in the room too. But they have frank conversations, and Neil Brown will go around the room, and he'll ask them, hey, let's suppose it's August 30, and we play James Madison tomorrow. Coach, who do you have on the offensive line? Coach, how does your defensive line rotation look? Coach, which one of your corners is redshirting? Conversations like that to cover every position and every aspect of the team. And Brown will ask. He'll listen to the answers. He'll weigh in. And the combined conversation shapes what the depth chart and all the depth charts shape what the roster looks like. Now, it's not just hunches and how do you feel. Again, heart, brain, and hunch, they're all involved, but West Virginia grades these things. They do production grades every day. They do effort grades every day. So if you are on the fence about a player, and let's unfairly single out Jalen Thornton, defensive tackle, doesn't have to play because they may be able to fill that third spot creatively. But maybe he does play. Maybe he's been okay, and they want to look at him and say, huh, he had more plus days than minus days. He had some pretty good production grades, especially leading up to the second scrimmage when he did impress. Then he may get a check mark and he may get a helmet and a jersey. And if the opposite is true, well, then the opposite is true. However, let's continue to use Thornton. He's a freshman, a true freshman. Part of the conversation for the coaches will include what to do with players who can redshirt. When do we try to play them? Remember now, you can play four games and still redshirt. So do you try to give them a shot in game one, two, three, and four to see if they're ready to help you in game five onward? And if not, you shut them down. But maybe they're not going to be ready in game one, two, three, and four, so it doesn't make sense to play them. And maybe you're building toward, I don't know, the first game after a bye week where you have some extra time and practices, and you can maybe pull them out of the garage and get them polished up and getting ready to go. And maybe he plays in game six, seven, eight, nine. But also, don't forget, you don't have to play the four games in succession. You can play one, four, eight, and twelve. And it's complicated, as you can tell. But that's what happens in these conversations. And that's how they get to 70 for their travel roster. So what they'll do is scrimmage tonight, conversations the next two days. They'll have a pretty robust practice on Monday, scale it back a little bit, do some special teams, get a look at some young players tackling on Tuesday. Then they're off on Wednesday, the first day of class, and they start Thursday to prepare for JMU. And again, West Virginia has a couple of things they really need to figure out. Nothing is more popular or more important right now than the quarterback situation. And Neil Brown would be a happy man if he could ask Sean Reagan about the quarterbacks during those conversations, and they could walk out of the Pushkar Center on Sunday night with a starting quarterback. So if... Jack Allison or Austin Kendall or, I don't know, Trey Lowe can add clarity to this situation. 
it's a great weekend for West Virginia. They would much rather have a starter for that first day you practice on Thursday than be carrying this any longer than they have to. I think in their mind, they probably reach the finish line here and they want someone to cross first, and we'll see who it is, but they will make some significant decisions based on what happens. And if one outperforms another, that may be the direction they go. Wide receiver, we probably know who a lot of the characters are going to be. Truthfully, they don't have a lot of players who can redshirt. They do have two freshmen, though. So the scrimmage tonight may be important for Winston Wright and Ollie Jennings. Wright may help inside. Jennings may help outside. Or there may just be enough people to cover them up. But Jennings, for example, played pretty significant snaps and opened some eyes on special teams and early practices. And they thought, hey, this may be a way this guy helps us. They will play you if you can help on special teams. The tight end of the S-back will be fun to watch, too, because I think the lack of tight ends has kind of helped the development of the S-backs. The S-backs are kind of your fullbacks who do some H-back stuff. Really, just Logan Timmons and Western Michigan transfer Jackson Knipper. But if it's just Michael Laughlin practicing with the tight ends, and if Giovanni Haskins and TJ Banks are still unable to practice, then this is a big day for Timmons and Knipper to say, hey, this offense can function with us. You can still run the ball. You can still pass the ball. We can still pass protect. We can still run block. So the S-back may make some strides. And while I did say that the quarterback is the most important and most popular part of this offensive discussion, it kind of overlooks what's happening on the offensive line. We do believe Josh Sills is the center. He has unseated Chase Barrett, who was there throughout the spring in the first half of the camp. But Sills has practiced there the past four days now. This will be his fifth practice. What we do understand, though, is that Barrett is still in the plans and has handled the situation pretty well. In fact, he has practiced with the first team at left guard the past two days, which is interesting because that means Mike Brown, who left Wednesday's practice early, likely didn't practice on Thursday. Maybe he's back today, maybe he's not. But what we know is that James Gemitter, who's a redshirt freshman, a converted defensive lineman, he and Barrett have shared the snaps at the first team left guard spot the last few days. And let's not just focus on Barrett and Sills and what's happening at center and left guard. If you move your right guard to center, you better have a good backup plan at right guard. And this is a big day for John Hughes. He needs to keep this ship afloat, keep the plan in place, and let everybody move forward. That means he's got to have a good scrimmage. He can't be the person that makes him unplug this idea. On the defensive line, I think the team feels pretty good about they're too deep, but they want to play nine people, maybe ten, definitely eight. And again, the difference between eight and ten may be Jalen Thornton and Jordan Jefferson. So while it may seem like an embarrassment of riches to be talking about the third string defensive line at West Virginia, it's nevertheless important. They don't want those guys playing more than 35 or 40 snaps. Do the math in your head. In the Big 12, you're pressing 80 sometimes. They're going to need a third line some days. And that means this is a chance for those guys to fill in those third spots and to let the coaches perform the plan they want. Linebackers, we have starters at key spots. We know Josh Chandler is the will. We suspect that Dylan Tonker will finish as the first team Mike linebacker. We know Giovanni Stewart is the spear. 
Quantrell Williams has played very well there too, I understand. But if we're talking about defense or we're talking about linebackers, we must also talk about the bandit. And the ongoing competition, it sounds like, between Quandarius Qualls and then Darius Cowan. Those are the two supreme pass rushers at that position, and that position is supposed to wreak havoc in the backfield. It sounds like it's down to those two, and that Zach Sandwich is kind of carved out his little spot as more of a coverage linebacker who can pass rush. But if you're going to optimize that position, you want pass rushers, it seems like, Qualls and Cowan. Corners. Hakeem Bailey quietly has had a very good camp. Stop me if you've heard that before, but it seems real this time. And no matter what, this is the last time I'll say it because he's a senior. And Keith Washington is solid opposite him. We'll see if Dre Miller practices. He's missed some time, but that's been good for freshman Tavian Mayo and Nick Troy Fortune. So perhaps they solidify a spot for themselves. Unlikely they both redshirt. It's unlikely even one of them redshirts. But there are three freshman corners. And to Corey Turner could make the most of this opportunity. If it's there for him, if he hasn't played himself out of it yet. We'll see. And last but not least for sure are the safeties. I'm not going to hazard a guess as to who is where apart from Josh Norwood at free safety. But backups there are going to have to play. And it seems like the identities change there every so often. But most recently, it's two true freshmen. Tyke Smith and Kerry Martin. Cat safety, that's had some shifting too. Sean Mahone and Jake Long. These are guys who started at the top in camp, and now they're kind of battling for one spot. Ah, uh, yes, but there are three sides of the ball. And while I don't want to go down this road because the worst place you can be is inside a kicker's head, the scrimmage may be big for Evan Staley. It may be big on Tuesday for a kicking practice for him. Um, when we have seen him kick, he has missed some kicks. And they don't do a ton of stuff where you can say, wow, he's got the shanks. But... Staley's even admitted that he has missed some time when the media hasn't been around. And on Wednesday, Neil Brown said that while, yes, his expectations are for Staley to make every kick, he also expects Staley to do better. And that's a clever way for a coach to say, well, he's not perfect, but who is perfect? But they don't want a freshman kicking. They didn't want a freshman punting. And they went out and they got Josh Gordon from LSU. And he's interesting because it's not a big day for him. It seems like he will be the punter, but it's a big day for him maybe as the holder. From what we understand, he has been much better off for Staley as the holder. And Staley has performed better since Groden arrived. Trey Lowe, Jack Allison are never held before. Groden's done it for three years before this. So it's important for the kicker to end up on the right foot. I will try to get my hands on as many details as I can from the scrimmage and share them with you as quickly as I can. So stay tuned and we will see what happens out of sight. That's all for this time. I will see you next time for 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Casaza. Please take time to tell your friends and take care of each other.